0: Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.
1: Dallas, I don't want to mispronounce your last name, so if you could go ahead and introduce yourself as well as uh, give us a little 30 seconds about you, that'd be great.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, my name is Dallas Montague, and I'm 26 years old. I'm an American missionary living in Brazil. And I've lived in Brazil for the last four years. My wife is Brazilian and my son is dual citizen, Brazilian and American.
1: Oh, wow. That is so cool. And how old is your son?
2: He is one and a half.
1: One and a half. All right. So I'm
2: a new father, a new father. I'm still trying to figure it out.
1: That's awesome. Well, we all are. So, um, well, with your son being one and a half, I imagine that. Do you, you must speak multiple languages. Yes.
2: I am, I'm studying, I'm not fluent, but yes, we do speak both languages with our son. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's so cool. And I'm sure he's up walking around very mobile. He is, he
2: is never stops. He never stops.
1: If you don't mind uh, sharing his name.
2: His name is Elijah.
1: Elijah. that is so. Which is
2: actually confusing. I'll tell you a small little snippet about that. Here in Brazil, the names change. So names like Dallas it's Dallas. Okay. But names like James it's Chiago. So it's so much different. And oh, wow. Elijah is Elias. And so here in Brazil, you have female names and male names like Paulo, Paula. So when they hear a, uh, they think girl, right? So Elijah. So everyone's like, is hmm. he a boy or a girl? Like, look at him. He, he's clearly a boy. But they get confused with his American name. And so that's a conflict, but yeah, that's okay.
1: That is so neat. And then uh, tell us a little bit about your wife. That That's... I'd love to hear more about how you guys met. And yeah,
2: Yeah, we met online. Actually, we met on Instagram, so that's pretty crazy. I would never suggest it for anybody, but that's what happened for us. And so I was living in Hawaii at the time and getting ready to do missions in Asia and Thailand and Cambodia, and she was here in Brazil. And so we just got connected and became friends and talked for one year. When I moved to Brazil, I I encouraged her to come visit me, which was a 20-hour bus ride, and she Uh did. And we met and I was like, she's real. Wow, this is amazing. (laughs) So I I decided I'm gonna marry this girl. And so I convinced her to move. And later we we eventually got married one week before the the shutdown of the pandemic. So- No way. Right in time, right in time.
1: So February, 2020?
2: Yep, that's right. We got married in the government, uh, the 22nd of February, yep. Wow.
1: And so you were in Brazil whenever all that happened? Yes, yep. Okay. I'd love to dive into that. Um, but before we do, so where are you originally from, Dallas?
2: Mm-hmm. I'm from Missouri. Really? Whereabouts? Yeah. From the Northwest. So okay. like two hours from Kansas City, two hours from Des Moines, Iowa, and two hours from, um, from what's the other? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I can't, I've been gone for so long, I can't remember. I don't even my, remember uh, America anymore.
1: My father is actually from Missouri. Uh, he's really? from a little town called Sedalia, Missouri. Sedalia, that's um, probably down yeah, right. There's another town called Clinton, Missouri. It's close by. Um, but yeah, that's you don't hear uh, you don't hear that's yeah people. My family's still Missouri. there,
2: born and raised in in Missouri.
1: And my grandfather, he says Missouri.
2: Missouri, that's right. I don't, but people do. Yes, <laughs> Missouri. And
1: uh, did you that's did good. you grow up there and?
2: Um, I did. I did. Like, my, so, just so, high school. I did. We'll talk about this later. I'm sure, but my parents are divorced. They've been divorced since I was a young boy. But they live in the same city of 600 people. My whole life. Wow. And so that was so good for me because my parents were separated. I could go to my mom or my dad in the same day. You know, wow. They lived in the same small city, and so yeah. It, for me, it worked. It worked great for my for my situation. So okay. Yep. Yeah, born and raised in the same little city.
1: Yeah. And um. Did you always have a passion for missions, like within the the church that you grew up in, or was this something that you developed later in life?
2: This is something that I I went on my first mission trip when I think I was like twelve or something.
1: Oh wow! Uh, that okay. kind
2: of just like piqued my interest. But um, I actually went into an addiction of drugs and alcohol whenever I was I was growing up as a teenager, and so shortly after that mission trip, actually, and so I I was a, a drug addict, and so my life was in a horrible, you know, horrible place. And so through my addiction, I found Christ as my savior. Mm. And then I went to an addiction program, which is a one-year facility focused mm-hmm. on Christ. And so that's mm-hmm. where I, I really found my passion for missions because I saw people who were way worse than me who were overcoming their addictions and their marriages were being restored. Their children started to trust them again. And I was like, wow, I want to be a part of this. And that's kind of where it started for me in, okay. in the call to missions.
1: And about how old were you at that point?
2: Mm-hmm. I started using when I was 16 and I went into this program when I was 19. So it wasn't a long time, but long enough to destroy a lot of relationships and hurt a lot of people, you know?
1: Yeah. And then this is all when you were in Missouri too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Diving right in here. Well, let's lighten things up just a little bit and then I'm sure we'll circle back, um, to some of those topics because you're certainly not alone um, in addiction, and other issues that plague us, um, you know, pre-fatherhood, during fatherhood. Um, But let's lighten things up here just a little bit. And I want to ask you uh, a question as to what you think your wife would say when asked, what makes your husband an inspirational father?
2: Oof, that's a good one. I'm going to have to say... First off, that I am a calm person. I like peace in the home. I like calm. I don't like to overreact, right? I like to just be calm. And I think that that plays a role in me being a father and me being a husband. Other than that, she knows I take great pride in providing for her family financially. I try to work yeah. to provide for a family. And I think she would say those two things if I had to yeah. guess.
1: Awesome. So calm and then a huge drive to provide. I like it all right well guys stay tuned because we'll find out at the very end uh what she had to say um so let's dive right back into uh, your early life so you dealt with some addiction issues and uh, you went into this facility where you came back to christ and then uh, dealt with those addictions and were called into the mission field Um, was there anybody that was very, that that God sent to be very instrumental in that process that has really been a leader or a mentor to you to get you to where you are today?
2: One of my grandmas, she, she always had devotionals with me. Even Mm -hmm. when I was in my addiction, she would call me over and be like, Dallas, we gotta, we gotta read the Bible today. I'm like, grandma, I'm going to go use drugs, but okay, let's do it. And so she would always but you would just be that candid
1: with yeah, her. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. She,
2: she, no, no, I wouldn't tell her that. No, oh, Okay. Sorry, I, mis, I misunderstood you. No, no, no. I wouldn't tell her. I was, I was very, I thought I was very good at living a, a secret life. Right. I was oh. kind of one of those guys. I was trying to be who I needed to be in the moment. Yeah. Right? So I would happily go over to my grandma's house. All oh, right, grandma, let's, let's read the Bible. Let's do this. But I knew I was going to go do that the same day. Right. Yeah. To put context there. And so she always just poured into me, you know, and she always saw the best in me. And she always said, you're going to be somebody special one day. God's going to use you things like this, you know, that I really believe that she was speaking the truth, but I just didn't know it at the time. So mm-hmm. I'd have to say my grandma. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then, um, tell us about like, I'm sure she understood at some point that you were abusing, uh, and that especially once you had to go into the facility where it sounds like you clean things up. What was that like for you? Having just heard knowing about this hard part of your life, was it a relief because you didn't have to hide things anymore or was it something that you were embarrassed, ashamed of?
2: I was definitely embarrassed and ashamed of it because my parents like my family and everybody around my community found out that I was using, because of my criminal background, I I got in trouble with the police. And so it was literally in the newspaper, like (laughs) Dallas, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh no, I was so ashamed in that moment. And it didn't stop there, you know, things of course got worse and it happened again and again, but it was, I was ashamed for, for a while about this secret life had been found out, you know?
1: Yeah. Since then, have you, have you developed, um, Kind of like a mission statement or a mantra, an ethos that you now live every day by.
2: Wow, I think that this actually—I think I decided this a couple months ago of what this is for myself and for what I want to establish in my family. And it's seek the kingdom,
1: seek the kingdom of God. Okay.
2: Teach the kingdom of God. Okay. To my children and live the kingdom of God. Like those are the three things that just. I want to. I want to seek God. I want to teach my children and my wife, and I want to live it. Those are the three things that I just have to establish my family.
1: Okay, I like that. Seek, teach, live. I feel like that's a really cool framework for not only uh, one's walk with God, but this could be uh, understanding in a lot of different capacities. You know, it could be, um, you know, seek knowledge for, you know, X, Y, Z topic when it comes to, you know, raising your children, uh, and then teach it, and then live it, right? So seek, teach, live. It's, uh, that's very applicable to a lot of different areas of life. I really like that. Um, and I, as you know, I'm in aviation, and that's very much how the aviation structure in the united states is built right so you learn how to do it right and then the next step in the progression is to then teach it um and then once you've taught enough people it just becomes so ingrained and in then in you that like you just live it day in and day out um so that is really cool so seek the kingdom teach the kingdom and Mm -hmm. uh live Live the kingdom kingdom. right yeah i love it that's awesome
2: i haven't thought about that in months but i did write that down in my notebook like this is what i want to have for my family so thanks for bringing it back too yeah absolutely no i love
1: that um so that being said me being a new father as well my kids are a little bit younger than yours um not by much but a little bit and
2: you have twins right you have twins
1: yeah kudos
2: to you thank you Kudos
1: to you Thank you. I can't imagine it any other way now. Um, but uh, you know, each person has just, uh, just a question for myself.
2: Does do run do twins run in your family? Is this my wife bound to happen? Yeah, it does. Your wife's family.
1: Yeah, deep. Uh, so my wife's mother is a twin, and then my wife's brother and sister are twins.
2: Wow! Wow! So, so I thought the same thing because my wife's mother's a twin too, and oh my boy. I have twin uncles, and so I'm like, we're doomed to have twins, but doomed. I don't know. God, if only, gonna, uh, use that God only gives now, you what you can but... handle. So I'm sure the next one will be twins. I'm, I'm if sure you meet you. somebody with triplets,
1: then you could say doomed. <laughs> doomed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So what do you hope that other men can take from this conversation that we're getting ready to have um, and then be able to apply into their own lives?
2: I would say that as men, we take great pride in providing financially for our families. But something that I'm learning this year is you can't just focus on providing financially. You have to provide spiritually, emotionally, <laughs> physically, all of these different areas that really make up the home. And so I'm learning that hardcore right now. And I'm struggling and I'm working on it, but I'm really trying to make those other things a priority, not just providing financially. Absolutely. And so yeah. I hope that that's what people People can at least hear that today and think about that, how they're providing for their family.
1: Yeah. So I like the way that you reframed that as continuing to provide for the family, because a lot of people talk, they differentiate between, uh, they'll say work-life balance, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, As in like, when I'm working, I'm providing, but then when I'm at home, it's, something else right Mm -hmm. but you're 100% right in the terminology that you use that you are providing even if you're not providing in a financial capacity Mm -hmm. Um, because oftentimes those uh, non-tangibles we'll call it Mm -hmm. provide a lot more for your family than uh, just the income that you're bringing in and then you're in a very interesting field where Not only is your work providing, but I would imagine that you're getting a lot of just super valuable insights from people in the line of work that you do. Um, So just to sum that up a little bit, you're hoping that other men will be able to learn how to provide in multiple different capacities besides yeah, just, financially. I think just
2: like unconnect from only providing financially because yeah. providing financially is important. And I'm the right. type of guy I want to balance all the, I want to juggle all the balls. I don't want to just focus on, you know, Oh, I'm not mm-hmm. providing financially right now. So I'm going to focus on this. Like I'm going to do right. whatever it takes to do all of them, you know? Right. And so for me, it was, I had to face that where my wife was like, Hey, you're working way too much. Like yeah. man, we're hungry here. Like yeah, spiritually, you know, we're, we're sure. hungry here. You need to lead us. You're not present mm. with our son. And when you are here, you're on your phone or you're on the computer, like you need to be here. And so I had that like mm. rude awakening, I would say. And so that's, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn as you can see from my addiction, things just kind of have to be in my face for me to change. Yeah. And so she's like, Hey, something's got to change. And so that's kind of what started that, that process for me.
1: Right. Yeah. And then, uh, like another episode in another episode with Jason Grizzy, he was talking about there's times of life where things will seem unbalanced to one capacity or another. So there are cycles in life where, you know, your work financially is going to take precedence over uh, these other areas. But then, hopefully, whenever that you get into a time of change where you're not called on so much, by your work that you're now able to kind of put work to the side and then unequally balance life over towards the family spiritual side and then you know family like playtime side uh, and or just building uh, the relationships that you have with other people friends mentors and those that can continue to hold you accountable uh really it was it was I love the verbiage that you used on that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, All right. Let's lighten you. this up just a little bit more. What is your best dad joke? You're a new father, so, so it's I okay. A new the father. bar is so very I don't... low.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Also, I'm gonna lower it a little bit more because I live in Brazil. And so who can I tell dad jokes to in English, you know? Yeah. So I don't have the opportunity a lot, but I did look one up just for the sake of the show today. And so Uh-oh. I did think this one was funny. Um what does a runner eat before his race? Nothing. He fasts.
1: Nice. I, I like that it. one.
2: <laughs> so um, I'm, not a, I'm not, I don't have a lot of dad jokes, but that's one I got for today.
1: I've got, I've got a, I've got one for you that you may be able to use. All right. So um, what do you call Batman when he skips church?
2: Hmm. I don't know. Christian Bale christian bale that's awesome
1: yeah
2: i like that people would understand that too because christian bale so that one might work
1: yeah there you go Uh, Thank uh you, you can put that one in your quiver and use it later i'll definitely
2: i'll definitely try it out but <laughs> i'll let you know what happens
1: it's okay i mean if people don't laugh you know you're winning yeah um so coming back to life as a father. Uh, a new father especially you've gotten through some of like the first hurdles I know for us the first six months were just really tough um, sleep deprivation you know, learning this new way of life that you're not just responsible for yourself anymore and it's it's like ripping a band-aid off in those first few months um, and it's probably by intention uh, because if it was easy then you get a false perception of what's to come. so it's it's good that it just really knocks you off balance to get you ready for this next chapter of life. But talking about that, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced so far as a father? I know you've already mentioned um your wife saying, like, you know you need to be here and present. we we need you to provide spiritually. but what have you identified as some challenges that you've had as a father thus far?
2: i'm going to I'm going to say. I'm trying to figure that out still, because okay. recently we just celebrated Father's Day in Brazil. And so we went, it's a different day than the States, but Mother's mm-hmm. Day is the same day. I don't understand. Okay. But we were celebrating Father's Day at church, and they asked all the fathers to come on stage. And yeah. so I'm, I'm totally comfortable being on stage, being in front of the microphone. I preach, you know what I mean? So it, it's totally totally normal for me but when i went up there with all the 60 70 fathers that were there i felt like Mm -hmm. an imposter i felt like i didn't belong Mm. i felt so because i'm so young i felt so young i felt so uneducated so compare myself to all these men who you know just i don't know it it just i'm trying to figure that out you know what i mean (laughs) i'm just trying to figure it out so i think that challenge is just remembering i am a father you know like it's still it's still so new that i'm like whoa this yeah. is crazy.
1: So would you say that you haven't really uh, fully adopted it in, as part of your identity yet?
2: Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. that's it. Because I work from home. So I'm I'm constantly with my family, constantly yeah. with my son, constantly yeah. with my wife. But as I said earlier, I'm not always mentally present, right? Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I'm just trying to still understand what the heck does it mean to be a father, you know? Yeah. I'm still learning. <laughs> I don't know yet.
1: Well, uh, like another one of our uh, guests said, if it feels like you're just treading water, don't worry. You know, the rest of us are treading to just trying to keep our heads above water. Um, what and so we've already even touched on uh, good work life balance. Let's talk about that specifically. So we haven't really got into uh, what you do for work. So. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, both um, as a missionary, um, and then as well as the other sources of revenue you're bringing in as far as financially, like what you're doing.
2: Yeah. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go back a little bit to explain some backstory of where yeah. I am today. Yeah, and So absolutely. whenever I was, Please. whenever I ent- I ended my my program right i did an internship at this facility to to continue in the ministry and then i felt the call to missions and so i started to raise money to do missionary school in hawaii with the second part of that school being in asia and so i needed eight thousand dollars to to save up or to earn or to whatever to do this ministry and so on my ministry budget on my ministry salary i wasn't going to make it so i started preaching in churches around my my area and tell them my testimony of how god changed my life and so through the grace of God, I was able to save 12,000 dollars and more than eight. I needed eight. God allowed me to save 12. And so through that, I was able to go to Hawaii and Asia and then come to Brazil through that extra money. And that was amazing. I loved the process. I loved the preaching in the churches, sharing my story and asking for donations. But what I started to find were that whenever I called a pastor or a friend, they would be a little hesitant, "Oh, maybe he's going to ask for money because he's a missionary now." And okay. I hated that. Yeah. I did not want to be the guy that when I call. They don't answer because they're afraid I'm gonna ask for money. I hate yeah. that. And so I respect, you know, the missionaries that do that. I did it as well. It's a part of life, it's a part of ministry. But I wanted to provide for myself because when I when I was in Asia or when I was in Hawaii, I wanted to do, I wanted to go out and eat sushi or yeah. whatever it was on the weekend, but I felt guilty because this was ministry money. What is the difference okay. between ministry and life? And so from that moment on, I decided I want to be the tent making. We hear this term in ministry, the tent making where I'm going to do ministry and work a job so I can pay for it, you know, at the same time. And so I do accept donations today. I do accept sponsorships, things like this, but I don't want to depend on this. And so with that being said, I oversee an English school here in Brazil. Uh-huh. so when i'm not i podcast as well but when i'm not podcasting i'm running the english school working with our other our other teachers i'm teaching english myself i have my own students and so that is very our cool. primary income here in brazil okay in the local currency but i also do podcasting and so that also helps a little bit but like i said before i'm the kind of guy that i'll do whatever it takes to provide if i have to sell yeah. water in the street you know i'll do it because i want to provide for my family and my right. my dad did a very very good job of doing that and so i always just for me, what it means to be a man is to provide like that just right. it was built into me. And so I really Absolutely. wanted to do that for my family.
1: That's really cool. And when you talk about doing the podcast, you have your own. Um, so if you would like, let us know what that is. And then I'd love to link that up so people can follow you as well. If they found some inspiration yeah. from our conversation so
2: here. Get prepared. I have three podcasts. No, I have All four right. podcasts. <laughs> All right, let's go. I'm, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. So Our main show, it's called Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. And Uh it's just as it sounds. We interview people who are in anything faith-based related. This is ministries, pastors, Christian products, Christian books, Christian music, anything. We are interviewing people. And so I love the show. We record probably two or three times per week. Yeah. And so that's Faith and Family Fellowship. I have a second podcast, which is called My Life Now, which is not directly towards the Christian audience, but it's more book lovers and author based and so if anyone has a book we interview them in a way to to put that out there as well we have a a podcast with our school our english school that we interview students and we things like that to put the put the english out and then we just started a new podcast this week my wife and i called mornings with the Montagues," and so we are doing daily devotionals every single day before our son wakes up many times he he interrupts but it is what it is and this has been a fun it's been one week so far and it's been so so cool and we're excited what god is doing with this podcast that's awesome that's it lots of stuff going on
1: yeah and then on top of that you're also helping other individuals like myself um start their start promote and edit all that with uh, the podcasting
2: yep podcasting is definitely a passion for me i love to podcast (laughs) I'm I'm doing, I'm doing it every single day. I do it every day. So I love it.
1: That's awesome. And um, I bet you've made some like really cool connections just because of being involved with all of that. Is it, is this something that you just gained a little bit of an interest into and then um, it just developed into what it is now? Or was there somebody like, Hey, you should really do this.
2: Mm. My pastor, actually, he has a similar story as me. He went through the same addiction facility. He lived in Brazil for eight years, married a Brazilian too. And so he he also started the English school that I'm managing today. And so we've had this really good connection. And one day he's like, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. I think you should be a host with me. And I'm like, Sure. I guess so. I've never done it before. Why not? And so that started like four years ago. We started just recording audio episodes and then we started interviewing people and then he just disappeared. And he hasn't been on an episode in 200 episodes. Oh boy, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm just the host now. And so that's how it started. I definitely have way more passion than him, I think.
1: Is that the, uh, it's a family, faith Faith and family family fellowship? Fellowship. Yes. Okay. Awesome. And so hundreds of episodes, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, we have two, over 250. We pushed over 250.
1: That's a lot. That's great. Yeah. And then they're how long are they typically?
2: About 45 minutes, typically. That's awesome.
1: Um, what are some lessons that you've learned from either your work as a missionary or in podcasting that you've now applied as a father or as a husband?
2: I think we have to be very intentional of the words that we say, like, I'm, I'm very intentional of what I say to my wife, what I say to my son. And I think that's what I've learned from podcasting and through ministry is that people are listening. And so what I say, I have to be very cautious, not careful, because sometimes you have to say things that people don't agree with, but you have to be cautious of the way that you say things or the way that you present something to people.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So when I was talking to uh, John McGuire, um, he was saying that, you know, he sometimes will raise his voice and, you know, if you're, it depends on the energy that you have behind that whenever you go to discipline your children, because sometimes, you know, like becoming a father, ripping the bandaid off, you need something to kind of like knock you off balance a little bit so that you can reshift your mind to be able to to receive the message. Um, and you know, for some people, some people do that differently. Um, but the intention behind what you're saying is very important. But, uh, are you saying that also the words that you choose to convey a message are also important or is it more I, I, the energy? I think,
2: I think both, I think both come into play because I could say something to my wife with the, with a good heart, but the wrong energy and it's miscommunicated. Or I could say, you know, in the opposite way, or I could say something with the wrong, with the right energy. I don't know what the opposite of that was, but, (laughs) but yes, I think it's both. I think it's definitely both because I want to choose careful words to say, maybe I am disciplining my son or or telling my wife something, Hey, that's messed up, you know, but using the right words to, to portray it. Right. Yeah.
1: That makes sense.
2: And you can't always have control of that, but I try to do a good job of that. You know what I mean? I try to be careful about what I do.
1: Yeah. So I think also you can use strategic pauses where if you don't know how to, what to say, or you feel yourself coming from a place of like wrong energy or like angry energy with a message, like it's okay to pause then versus just lashing out or saying something that you'll regret later. Um, So using those strategic pauses to kind of figure out what you want to say so that you convey your message in the right way and you don't automatically put that other person on defense, hurt somebody's feelings, um, or, you know, it could go as extreme as like ruining a relationship if the wrong things are said.
2: Yeah. This morning we were recording our episode and we were kind of talking about, imagine if your marriage was like buying a car, where if this car is going to be the same car for the rest of your life, you're going to treat it different than if Mm. you're just going to buy a car and junk it. And so in this, this morning, we were, I literally said the same thing that I love my wife. And so when we're in a fight, I'm not going to destroy her. I could, yeah Yeah. but I love her and she's going to be my wife for the rest of my life. So why would I do that? So that's, I think that's where I come from. I'm, I'm very cautious and it takes a lot for me to explode as well. I'm a little bit better than than her in this area. She has her strengths of two, but I would say that I, it takes a lot for me to freak out.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you, I know you're a new father right but uh are there some moments that you can identify from your son um uh, that you identify as being really proud moments I know his
2: first words his first words were dad like <laughs> yes 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 so of course number one proud moment yeah but he's just so smart like yeah. we're teaching the kid two languages and right. he understands both you know so that's for me that's incredible because it's such a challenge to learn a language as you get older, right? But yeah, he's a baby. He understands the words that we say, both of us in different languages. So I think that's so cool. That's
1: so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to do like a uh, a, a podcast for babies that, uh, you know, teaching them. I don't
2: think that is an untapped market. I think we should I mean, definitely it, do that.
1: I mean, it could be, obviously YouTube would probably be the biggest platform for that. But a, one of my best friends lives in Germany, and we'll do a thing where um, we'll read like a kids' book to his kids in uh, English, and then he'll do the <laughs> okay, same. Okay, wait,
2: wait, wait. In Germany, I misunderstood you. I thought the the babies were the hosts. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> okay, that sounded way cool. Okay, yeah, I understand now. I'm on board too. I, yeah. I like this idea too.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you could literally just be reading kids' books, and then the kids could be watching. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of parents aren't wanting to like introduce technology, but it, that seems like a pretty wholesome thing.
2: That yeah, that for me that makes way more sense than the baby hosts. <laughs> that would be cool though. That would yeah, be cool I, though.
1: I saw a funny thing about um uh, baby fitness class it's, uh, that it's a baby led fitness. Yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, yeah, I I'm part of a group called F3, which is really funny. We had. Uh, a conversation over this before because it's kind of the same as your uh, uh-huh. podcast. Title, but it's yeah, yeah. Fitness, Faith, and Fellowship, or Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. And like this morning, we met at seven o'clock here uh, in my local town in North Carolina. And I actually took the kiddos with me in the stroller, and they love it. And there's like 30 guys show up, and we're all just doing like boot camp style workouts. And then the kids are, you know, just sitting there in the stroller, like having fun, watching us act like goofballs working out. And, uh, but then it's cool because we really get to fellowship, um, as a part of that. But, uh, yeah, just the, the energy that comes from like bringing the kiddos, like it, you just really likes to sm- put smiles on people's faces. So maybe there's mm-hmm. something to that.
2: <laughs> I like that idea.
1: Um, with being a new father what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced as a husband so when it like shifting from okay no kids to now we have children with that change was there any big challenges that you faced with your wife
2: something my dad told me after my son was born was that your son's gonna have like He's like, be aware, Dallas, your, your son's going to have a special connection with your wife because she gives him food. It's like his mom, all these things. Yeah. And he was like two days old. And I was like, dad, I, I haven't even seen him because I, I, because COVID. He was born during some COVID pandemic uh, yeah. restrictions. And so I literally couldn't see my son for three days, the first three days he was born. Wow. So that's stressful. But through that process, he was saying these things. And so I would say just that lack of being able to be intimate with my wife on a personal level. Yeah. Not sexually, I'm not saying that, but just like, he's always there, you know? And so mm. when we want to, when we want to talk about something or, or discuss something like, oh sh- the baby's sleeping or, or <laughs> he's trying to eat, drink or whatever it is, you know, like when it's sometimes I just want to say something or, or maybe he's, he sleeps between us. So we're trying to work on that. Oh, okay. Horrible, horrible okay. doom. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like you, if you have twins, could be two twins There's in my no bed. room in the bed. Be cool.
1: We had no. to figure. No, no, out. no, 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 no. It just it literally wasn't an <laughs> yeah. option. So.
2: Yeah. So things like this, you know, where he's just literally there, and so that's totally cool. That's yeah. why I had a son. I want him to be around, but. Yeah. I think that just figuring out when we can have those conversations, when we can yeah. be together, you know, and like today, it's Saturday. He's at his grandma's house, and so that gives us some time to record some extra podcasts to yeah. you know spend some time together. So that helps, you know. That's
1: awesome, and so. What is something that your wife is really good at when it comes to parenting that you might find yourself like very weak, obviously besides like the stuff that she's only capable of, but mm-hmm. is there anything that you find that is like, man, if I didn't have you, I would really be struggling with, in, yeah. with this.
2: One thing for sure. The best thing I ever did with my wife was watch Master Chef because okay. she became so, so motivated to cook amazing things. And so she takes, she takes great pride in what she provides us for food. And so Ooh. she's not going to feed us something with a bunch of sugar. She literally great. stopped buying sugar eight months ago and hasn't bought sugar since. So she, she's, she wants to give us healthy food. She's, yeah. She takes great pride in this and she does a great job of that. And so that alone, if I didn't have her, I would be eating junk. I would probably <laughs> not eat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she is awesome in this area. And so that's just one that comes off the top. But she has a lot of, a lot of strengths yeah i need her to balance me out
1: yeah that's interesting so yeah nutrition is a really big one for my wife and i especially with the kids and you know feeding them like really wholesome healthy food
2: Mm -hmm. um
1: so that's 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 cool that we're not alone in that and then it's hard to to touch
2: on that also if i can yeah my my wife she's the type of person like we never ever bought baby food not once yeah and so she she never has like she she's very very careful about that yeah. so she always gave him these healthy foods from from birth you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah we would always like in the very beginning when they were introducing them to solids you know just puree like steamed mm-hmm. sweet potatoes and then you know puree them up uh, in the blender and instead of you know buying um baby foods there are some good ones out there which is which is really neat um if if you're going on vacation or whatnot and you don't have access to the same tools that you have at home, but uh, it's good that you guys are putting a big emphasis on nutrition. And uh, I, we, my wife is currently reading a book. I've already finished it. It's called the dental diet. It's a really interesting book. I'd highly recommend you read it. Um, there's some interesting concepts in there. Um, it's on like oral development for human beings and, um, how a lot of things with like our dental health stem from lack of nutrients that were that we get during uh you know childhood. So to help like your mouth and airways develop correctly, if you're eating the right foods and nutrition, you can prevent a lot of things like braces and that type. So it's that was, it's a very interesting book. Why would you say? What would you say? uh to the following question why is your wife an inspirational mother
2: wow my mu- my why is my wife an inspirational mother she adores our son she adores our son and she uh-huh. she wants to be with him all the time like from my american mindset and her brazilian mindset we we have so many differences but so many similarities and in this way in my mind both parents work in america yeah right? It's just the American dream. It's that it's totally normal. But her, she has this desire. I want to raise my kids. I want to, I want to teach my kids truth. I want to teach my kids how to do this or do that. And she takes, she wants to do that. And so at first it was like a little conflict. I'm like, you need to work. Like, this is what women do. Like they, they raise the kids and they go to work. And she's like, I don't know if I want to do that. I think God is calling me to, you know, to be with my son. And so she does work. She also teaches English. But oh, cool. she spends a lot of time with our son, and I—that's amazing. Because for me, when I spend time with my son, it's there's a lot of responsibilities out there floating around. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. You know. But yeah. she just spends time with our son and is really careful about what she teaches him. I think that's cool.
1: That is really cool. So she it sounds like she's really in, in, inspired to spend a lot of time with and then uh, pass on the right teachings and not to miss those times because she's forced to work or um you know has other obligations that's awesome to to hear that uh what do you think that you excel at as far as being a husband
2: what do i excel at as being a husband making my family laugh all right i don't have i don't have dad jokes <laughs> but not yet i don't have not not yet but i'm really intentional about making my family have fun like okay. maybe i'm working all day but if i have 5 minutes to break i go down and make my son laugh that's my goal yeah. you know make my wife laugh that's you know, i take these little moments so precious and i want to make my son smile and make him laugh or mm-hmm. my wife too you know
1: and it's cool that it, it's it sounds like you have really started your journey as a father and a husband from a really good place and you have a good mindset as to like where you came from and so mistakes to avoid and it sounds like you're very intentional on it, it pretty much everything that you do in life and you're know, letting God kind of work through you um and being a witness to your family and it's it's cool that you have this long-term vision that you always want to be in missions as well as like obviously a super devoted father, so I'm excited to see where this goes, and hopefully we can we can do more of these and just kind of track your progress along the way and hold each other accountable. Um, is your son able to like identify your all's relationship yet? can is Can you see any responses from him when, like you give your wife a hug? Um, or is it still a little bit soon for that?
2: Yeah, he he mimics us a lot, so he he notices like a hug or a kiss or yeah, you know, sitting together on the couch. He sees things like this.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's
2: also he has that advantage because we're always together. We we all work from home, so we're always together, and so I think he sees us together a lot.
1: Can that be challenging to where it feels like you don't have your own space, or you? pretty intentional about making sure you're not in each other's space all the time
2: that hasn't been a conflict you know that sounds strange but we i I haven't had that moment very many times where i'm like man i gotta get out of here i don't i don't have that often because i think because i am working in my office you know or sometimes downstairs with my family but i i feel like i have that time away even though i'm home if that makes sense but i i don't really have that need like i need to get out of here yeah for me it's it's okay. I enjoy to be around.
1: So most of your work happens from inside the home. Is, is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. From working standpoint, but I'm ministry gonna, as that's, far as
1: missions are concerned.
2: Yeah, missions. That that is definitely in the church. And so that's another thing that whenever I was in Asia, we were doing ministry in the streets and mm-hmm. in Hawaii as well. And then when I came to Brazil, it was in the church primarily. And so I actually fought with God for a while about this, like. I'm not even fulfilling my role as a missionary. I'm in the church. God, there's lost people out there. What am I doing? Hmm. And so he helped me understand that even though people come to church, they're still not saved. Some people aren't saved. Some people have oh, never God, made that decision. And so I understood the call inside the church. and God has really, really opened doors, cross denominations where I don't have to just stick inside of one. I've been in so many different denominations here in Brazil. And so right. we we have that call, I would say, as like a traveling pastor, you could say in a small way, where we go church to church and to bring a word that we're invited to come and to do that. So it's, it's, that has been the primary ministry for the last couple of years. And we do ministry together a hundred percent. So I'm preaching in English, she's translating in Portuguese. And so we're able to do ministry together. I love this.
1: That's really great. And is there anything that you find extremely challenging about the environment that you live in?
2: It's not America. (laughs) Biggest. Biggest one, the cultural differences. There's not a lot of cultural differences compared to the states in Brazil, as there were in Asia. Asia was just like a upside down world, but it's for me the things in Brazil. One thing that's super weird in America, we like have our our distance, and we have these these like understandings of like, hey, you're too close, you know, and people yeah. back away, you hmm. know. In in America we shake hands. In Brazil, they're mm, mm, you know, all these hugs and kisses and stuff and ah, ah, back up, you know. For me, that's a little strange. Or when someone okay. does this to your when you to your wife, you know, they come up, oh mm, 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 haven't seen you in so long. I'm like, What are you doing? You know? Good but much. it's totally yeah. totally culture, totally culture. It's normal.
1: Yeah. Interesting. What about as far as just like day-to-day, uh as far as like food? Um, you know, is it pretty normal like there's it's pretty normal market
2: pretty normal here in brazil compared to the states um i would say brazil is identical to the states it's just five years delayed i would Mm. say that okay and so the things the advancement that you see in in america will experience this in several years from now yeah but food i think the brazilian food is one of the best in the world because it's just their barbecue they don't put sauce on it they don't barbecue sauce their food Just salt. And they mm. cook it on a fire. Wow. And cool. holy cow! I'm like, how does this taste good? It, it, it's amazing.
1: It's but meat in America, salt we I think like, it's just do do meat, this?
2: salt, and fire. It's so easy, but it's so amazing.
1: Yeah, that does sound really good right now. And uh, we eat
2: rice and beans twice a day. So if that helps you understand, we eat rice and beans twice a day.
1: Okay. Um, so, what is that breakfast and lunch or
2: lunch and dinner? Okay. Um, with like some type of meat or some type of vegetable as well but rice and beans are like the brazilian staple staple. yeah
1: yeah what um like black beans white rice
2: yep that's it
1: all right it's like chipotle 24 7
2: that's it's amazing it's amazing (laughs) but when i lived in asia it was only white rice yeah and so it was just it was hard to live in asia not just because of that but also i ate a dog in in asia as well a a barbecue of a dog a real dog and beetles and scorpions and crazy stuff asia is just different you know i can hear my dog
1: my dog shifting yeah
2: everyone says don't don't come to my house because i'm gonna have to hide my dog you know like come on
1: people are hungry
2: you know people are hungry that's that's different
1: my my dog would bring a whole new level to the word cotton mouth
2: (laughs) yes that's funny (laughs) that's funny
1: um so you talked a little bit about your dad and uh it sounds like you have a really good relationship now and you're able to talk to him pretty open and freely and uh he's able to give you counsel is that am i identifying that correctly
2: yeah i would say it wasn't always that case yes but it's definitely the case now
1: right uh, what are some lessons that you really attribute to your father and then you hope to pass on to your son and these can be lessons that you learn because of things that he did or because of things that he didn't do or things that he did that you'll say like i'll never repeat that
2: Uh uh-huh about my dad so as i was growing up as i said my parents were divorced so i kind of had like two homes right? right growing up two different types of homes and so in my dad's house, he would always discipline me in in different ways mm-hmm. than my mom did mm-hmm. and like responsibilities and these types of things that a teenager should have. Right. But at the time I was like, my dad's crazy, makes me cut the grass, makes me do the dishes, you know, like all these things, you know, as a teenager, you're just yeah. like all these things. And then when my addiction came, um, he was really stern about that, like no way you're not you can't be here you can't affect your children or my your brothers and sisters you know like he was very intentional about that mm-hmm. and at the time i broke me even more because i'm like you're my dad you you're supposed to love me like you, you're not loving me right now you know like this type yeah. of thing was super tough but as i grew up and as i understood that tough love that my dad gave me it changed it, it made me the man i am today through mm-hmm. that tough love that my dad gave me
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and so I'm so grateful for, for the way that he did raise me and the way that he he taught me so many things. And my dad owns a construction business and he builds new houses and very cool. I've always been like I said he he provided financially for our family and I always right. looked up to him like wow my dad is so smart my dad is so intelligent I can't believe he makes houses like this it's so cool and yeah. when I went to his, his work his job site I was you know the boss's son you know these types of things so I, I always loved this that my dad yeah. was just he created something. Out yeah. of nothing. And I love that. And so, even in my way, I'm not, I don't have that building intelligence that my dad has, but yeah. I adopted that same principle to do whatever it takes to provide for my family through I his. Like he, he always worked hard, and I thought that was yeah. awesome. I look up to huge that a
1: work lot. Work ethic and
2: yeah, and, then hope, ethic.
1: and I've already, it just in my short experience from knowing you, like I know you're going to pass that down to your son. Um, just because it's very ingrained and you'll make sure that, it, that he's able to see you working, providing, and that he'll understand those concepts from a really young, early age. Um, what are you currently most grateful for?
2: Right now, I would have to say my new podcast with my wife. Okay. Because it's, it's a new challenge that we've taken on, recording yeah. a podcast every day.
1: That's it's a, a lot. lot of
2: work. It's a lot of dedication
1: video, but
2: video, <laughs> perfect.
1: Yeah.
2: video, but I would say just one week doing it. I feel spiritually stronger, you okay. know, like it's not anything special. We're just doing devotionals together. You know, we're, we're yeah. working through this devotional Bible that my dad gave me during our mar- during our wedding. And uh-huh. so it has a devotional every day and we're just working through it. And so it's super, super cool, but it's so oh. simple, but I feel yeah. so strong after it. And I feel so yeah. purposeful every day start my day with that you know it's so good so good
1: that is great so uh your devotional podcast and then it also is like because you're doing it in podcast format i imagine there that in and of itself you've made a commitment to those who are following that hey i'm going to do this daily so it makes it harder to stop
2: yeah it does accountability
1: to people Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your wife is a part of that. So as a result, like you all get to spend really good quality time together. Mm-hmm. It's really, yep. I like how you did that. Um, well, what do you hope that you can improve on as a father moving forward?
2: Mm-hmm. We talked about this many times, that work-life balance, just trying to be when I'm present, be present emotionally. Mm-hmm. -hmm. And that's, I think, my biggest problem right now is because I I have put a lot of responsibilities on my on myself, and so just trying to no, your problem is not my problem, you know. Mm -hmm. And I've really, I I make every person's problem my problem when I'm working, and so just realizing, hey, your problem is not my problem. Today it's Saturday. I'll see you Monday. You know, trying to just make those spaces where, right, right, I'm physically emotionally with my family.
1: I like that. And has there been a time yet? I know as missionaries...
2: And of course, that that is is work-based, not ministry-based. Ministry-based, if it's Saturday and, and I get a call, I'll go. And that's different. So I want to clarify.
1: Right. It, um. So as a missionary, has there been any times where you have, you personally, or you and your wife, or you and your family have been in any sort of like hostile situations or like danger of any type?
2: That's a great question. We used to live in a city with 13 million people. It's São Paulo, Brazil, and it's one of the biggest cities in the world. Okay. And we lived in a smaller city outside of the big city where there were more witchcraft than Christians in this area. And so we lived there for about two years and we were purposeful. We were doing ministry. We were in the streets doing evangelism, Mm -hmm. these types Mm -hmm. of things, preaching in the churches. We were Pushing back against this, you know, because the people that live there were so comfortable with them being there too with the witchcraft. And so I kind of went into the church, like, hey, this word, Makumbetas, this word witchcraft, why is this too comfortable? Why are we so comfortable with this? Why don't we do something about this? And so that was kind of like the heart of my message to bring, let's, let's pray, like, let's be intentional, you know, that was kind of the message. And so through that, they did not like it. The people, the, the witchcraft did not like it. And so they started to do incantations on our family and we experienced a lot of things. It sounds made up. It sounds fake, but we had cattle, we had ducks, chickens, geese, all the things that we had living on that farm. Every single thing died. Our dog, our two cows, our chickens, our ducks, our plants died. Every single thing. Really? This, this stuff. And so my wife was pregnant at the time and we we're just like, this is too crazy. Like I, Maybe we should go. Maybe we should move to an apartment in the city, you know, at least for the birth of my son type of thing. So we were a little worried about that. And we learned a lot about spiritual warfare in this time, but it just sounds so fake. It sounds so made up when we tell that story because it's like, seriously, everything died. Literally everything died.
1: Everything. Wow. Do you think that that was like a spiritual thing or like somebody was legit? uh, Both. (laughs) Both.
2: Yeah, definitely both, but they were, doing, they were doing witchcraft against us, and yeah. we, we knew some of the, the people in the community, and, and they were incantations of death on wow. our family, and so as but a result, in- everything Incantations died. of what? Of death.
1: What does that even mean?
2: So they, they were doing spells to kill us. Really? Yeah.
1: That is wild. Yep.
2: Yeah. they were not happy with us being there
1: that is wild wow um
2: it was crazy it was crazy we lived, we lived we lived close yeah. enough to, we lived close enough to their hubs where you can hear them doing their witchcraft rituals and chants and stuff it was it was wild i don't regret oh. leaving at all <laughs> it was <laughs> that is super it was scary. crazy huh.
1: yeah yeah i mean that's so far removed from anything that i've been exposed to ever um it's hard to fathom that but that's a real thing and so now that you're a father if you got into a situation like that where do you think you would handle it now differently or probably handle it just about the same
2: i think handle it about the same i feel like we were obedient in that time where when it was time to go it was time to go yeah you know but I think we could have prayed against it more, you know, taking some more spiritual actions. We didn't do that as much at the time because we just were kind of uneducated in that, I think, but we learned a lot through the process. Wow.
1: That is, that is really crazy. I can't, again, even wrap my head around that. You know,
2: as a missionary, you just expect the best out of everybody. And so I just didn't expect that to actually be a real thing. I was like, yeah, they're, they're witchcraft. They're just playing. Like they're not playing. They're not playing. So yeah, that is,
1: that is really interesting. Well, um, a couple last questions. And before we wrap this up is, uh, the father's challenge, this will be a challenge that you give the, our listeners to do until, um, we hear the next episode and it can literally be with anything nutrition, uh, socially as a father, as a husband, uh, you know, fitness, Literally anything you can dream up that you think will help us, uh, you know, challenge ourselves, go for it.
2: The last ones have been amazing, so I just want to say kudos to previous guests. They yeah. they're doing awesome with that challenge. And I would say for for the fathers today, do devotionals with your family this week. Lead your family in devotionals every single day, mm-hmm. even if it's a couple of verses, even if it's some devotional on the bible app on your phone or something but just take that time intentionally 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and do it and i guarantee you you will not regret it and if you allow it it can be a habit in your life and in your family okay and so that's my challenge for you do devotions at least devotions with your
1: family every day Yeah, with your
2: family wife it doesn't have to be long
1: maybe like three minutes no
2: no simple short you Just read something, you know. Just make that intentional time. I and mean, your if you if you don't have this habit, your wife, your wife might be like, what "The heck are you doing?" <laughs> but it'll benefit your family. You know what I mean? It'll it's so worth it. Every Absolutely. time I do it, it's unrepented time that I spend with my family doing. That's
1: that. so cool. Yeah, I like that word, unrepented time. Um, is there any way that we can serve you? issues that you're dealing with i know the pastor's kid thing i want to get a couple people on here to dive into yeah that.
2: i would so i listen to every episode that you post so please please get them on the show and i'll be very happy to hear their, their response awesome
1: yeah is there any other ways that we can serve you be praying for um
2: this i think this new podcast i would ask for that oh wow something else so two things if i can add two yeah go for it um The podcast that my wife and i just started i think just we we have we really believe that this is something special it's not just something that we have decided to do it's something that we feel called to do Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: i just i really believe that if we share the gospel people will be set free and so that's the goal that's why we're doing it we're not doing it for views or for whatever but we're doing it just for people to be set free and so pray for that to to take the impact that it needs to have on the right people Secondly, my wife is in the process of getting her immigrant visa to move to America. Okay, And we have been, we filed this one year ago, last September, and we have been waiting, waiting, waiting. And so we don't know when there's no timeline. It literally says on the government site, I'm sorry, it's taking longer than expected. Oh boy. So we just have no expectations at all. So if you could just pray for that situation, that would be awesome.
1: Sure. Uh, absolutely and is there a way that um if anybody would like to get in touch with you after this uh that that you would would prefer whether that be social media email phone whatsapp
2: yeah they can find me on instagram morse code (laughs) definitely smoke signal please that would be would be awesome
1: perfect uh my
2: instagram is dallas montague just this at dallas montague
1: easy easy enough and I almost forgot, but uh, we need to read something that your wife wrote Oof. as to why she believes that you are an inspirational father. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, and this is what she said. She said, I see Dallas as a loving father, a sweet father, very playful. I would say that he loves to bring joy, fun, and peace into our home and for our son. He loves to make our son laugh. It's so easy for him to do that. He loves to guide our son into God's path, even from a young age by praying for him and with him. And he is a very present father.
2: What?
1: <laughs> I love that. How
2: cool is that? That's, That's so cool.
1: cool. You're making an impact on your family and uh, that oh. right there, just that shows it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, being so generous with your time i hope that you're able to make the most of the rest of your weekend and uh, i'm excited to see uh, this one go live
2: yeah wesley thank you so much it's been such a pleasure and i hope to have you on our podcast in the near future
1: absolutely i'd love to all right dallas thank
0: you so much you've just listened to the faith and family fellowship podcast